get up, get, get up, get up. What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, episode number 159. We have some things to talk about today. It's been a little bit of a calmer week in Mets world. Not too, too much going on. There were some press conferences today. We've got some international prospect signings. We also do, unfortunately, have some sad news for you guys. Frank Thomas, one of the original Mets, has passed away at 93 years old. So, you know, condolences out to the Thomas family. Uh, he was there for Old Timers Day. I was lucky enough to get to talk to him for a couple minutes. Was a really nice guy. Obviously, a lot of history. Born in Pittsburgh, was on the Pirates for a long time of his career, along with the Mets. He had some great years with the Mets, too, right, James? Yeah, Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas led the Mets franchise in home runs in total for the first three years he spent here until 1965. John also mentioned before that I think he had the single season record until Dave Kingman broke it, which was the 80s. That's correct. And also, I just read this. He, when Frank Thomas, the big hurt, was inducted to the Hall of Fame, went to Cooperstown, was signing autographs, and he said, tongue-in-cheek, my name will always be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. I like that. That's great. I like that. Yeah, no, I mean, like, in the brief conversation I had with him, he was a guy who... He, he would just say anything. He was, he was ready to yeah. let it loose. You know, whatever. He, he was a smart guy. He was witty. I liked it. He also went to high school in Canada, which is probably pretty abnormal for baseball players in the 1950s and 60s. He had an incredible run with the Pirates, too, through the 1950s. Yeah. Three-time All-Star. He had 161 home runs from 1953 and 1958. Apart from very good Pirates teams. That's, that's a high mark for that time in no, baseball. No, 100%. Like you said, he was a great Met, too, having the franchise record for home runs for the first three years. Rest in peace, Frank Thomas. Condolences to the Thomas family. You know, it's unfortunate, but... Yeah, happy, happy you got to the ballpark, put on the uniform one last time. This definitely. Summer. That was very cool. Yeah, definitely something that I'm sure he appreciated. Now, to talk about some other stuff going on in Mets world, there was a press conference today reintroducing Adam Adravino and introducing Omar Nervaez. Mm -hmm. So we got to see that a little bit, some comments from them. You guys know the drill with the press conference. It's a lot of the same, really, at the end of the day. I did think it was cool that Nervaez did specifically mention the opportunity to mentor Francisco Alvarez, yeah. being a catcher, being Venezuelan. I thought that was pretty cool that... He was able to to make that connection, see that, just see the, see the relative importance of of this prospect coming up this year. I'm just really excited to watch Adam Adovino just exist as a human for at least another season or two because he is one of the most peculiar players that I've ever seen. Guy walks around barefoot in the outfield. When we asked him what he was listening to before the game, he's like, ah, just some lo-fi lo-fi hip hop music on YouTube. Like the dude. He's eccentric, is eccentric the right word? Eccentric I think I want to use. Right word, yeah. yeah, look at me getting vocabulary words right today. But eccentric dude, and of course his intro song, Kid Cudi. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. There's also a new opportunity for someone to be eccentric in the bullpen without Trevor May being here this year. Yes. So the, there's a little bit more eccentric. Uh, what's ex I don't even know. There's a little more. more there's space for more eccentric eccentricness. Eccentricity. It's I don't think that's a word either. Okay, but it sounds like a word. You're one for two. Up. It sounds okay. all right. It sounds all right. Listen, glad those guys are back. Omar Nervais, you know, we've talked about him before. You guys know the drill. But I think what was really interesting is that we did see Billy Epler answer some questions from the press. And in that, he did basically say that the Mets are going to be looking for a fourth outfield option and some bullpen options. So you guys know on this podcast, we love talking about depth. It's like one of our favorite things to talk about is all the relievers and all the backup guys that we could fill out this roster with. I mean, who, who do you think sticks out to you right now, James, as guys that you would be going after? The ones who make the most sense right now are definitely Adam Duvall, Tommy Pham, Jerks, and Profar. But there's yeah. always this weird conundrum that happens to good teams at this point in the offseason where 
you want to pay a guy to sit on your bench, but that player might himself want to be someone who wants a job. Yeah. We saw this last week, and there were rumors around the Mets and Andrew McCutcheon that apparently they offered him more money than he wound up taking from the Pirates, allegedly, but he wanted the opportunity to try and play, not even every day, but just a lot of days. And if you come to a team like the Mets that's already very, very tight right now in terms of playing time in the starting lineup, it's hard to really guarantee anybody playing time. But those three stick out to me just as players with some pop, with decent play discipline for Famine Profar, who can play some good outfield more so in terms of Duvall. They're, you're never going to get a perfect option right now, but I do think that this team could use a fourth outfielder. No, definitely. Uh, I think right now on the roster, Khalil Lee is listed as technically the fourth outfielder. So not that Khalil Lee is not capable, but I think you like to go into the season with a little bit more security than that. In terms of relievers, the reliever market is still, I don't want to say it's deep, but it's it's the reliever market. As we know, there's just guys that you can make out of thin air. And some of the bigger names that still are available on the reliever market, Andrew Chafin, Michael Fulmer, of course, former Met, we know he was uh, – around here for a little bit and part of a big trade. Chad Green's still available. Did he get a Hurt. big injury, though? Yeah, very big injury. Is he Tommy John? I don't know if you know if it was Tommy John or the racing. Okay. Oh, something bad. Because I was I was shocked when I saw his name because he was really good with the Yankees for two, those for yeah. those three or four years. I think it was two years ago. He was in 2021. He was like one of the most valuable relievers in baseball. But an injury would make sense there. Uh, yeah. Matt Whistler is a guy. Was Tommy John, by the way. Tommy John, Tommy okay. John. Matt Whistler, Matt Moore had success. I mean, the names by no means are going to like be like, whoa, Matt Moore is available. How have we not got this guy? But there's definitely some good pitching available still in the bullpen department. I like Fulmer a lot in terms of those options because he still throws – relatively hard it's not like what he was in the early, early when he came up in his career but he yeah. just still has a very good slider and we've seen the last few years that the tigers the tigers player development and just pitching coach like they seem to not get anything close to the most out of any guy in their entire roster for a very long time so i think if you get a guy like fulmer to come to a team that has you no know, much better pitching coordination you could get more out of him and even even with this bad team with horrible, horrible development resources <laughs> in the organization. He still had a great slider. Yeah, I mean, one guy that's really interesting to me is Alex Reyes, that he's still available. I know he's had some injury stuff the last few years, but one, he's like kind of a local kid. He grew up in Elizabeth for a good chunk of time and played at Elizabeth High School in New Jersey. So, I, I mean, he had a great year with the Cardinals a couple years ago. He's got the stuff for sure. It's always just been about kind of getting him to rein in that control a little bit and just be on the field. That's one of the problems with Alex Reyes. But when you're talking about a guy who doesn't have a job right now on January 17th, I'm sure you could knock on his door. The other couple of reclamation projects like that out there. Everyone remembers Josh James from the Astros. You, you throw, love that guy. I just throws 100 miles an hour with a good slider. <laughs> so, I mean, why not give a shot to a guy with 100 miles an hour and a good slider? Well, um, Ken Giles is still out there. Yep. But I don't know whatever, whatever's going to happen with him. Keith okay. Embry. Keith Embry's still available. You know one that I've been seeing that a lot of people have been talking about recently, too, is Zach Britton. The Zach Britton conversation. Not necessarily that the Mets need another lefty. I, I'm sure there are some Mets fans out there that still maybe aren't comfortable with Brooks Raley just because it's a name they're not familiar with because he's played in Tampa, you know, last year and Houston before that. But Zach Britton would be a nice left-handed arm to him as long as he's healthy. I mean, he's a ground ball machine. Otherwise, there's two other guys coming off major injuries who both most recently spent time with the Los Angeles Dodgers. In each case, the Dodgers made a specific effort to go out and acquire them. One is Danny Duffy, who mm. they trade for him, I think, the 21 deadline, just like the moment before they got yes. Turner and Scherzer, and it got completely swept under the rug because then he also got hurt immediately. He's someone who was working out of the bullpen, but he had three, four pitches that were all above average. Also, Jimmy Nelson, mm. the Dodgers did have the opportunity to extend this year for not that much money and decide not to do that, so maybe not a lot in there at all, but 
Still not bad. There's a lot of veteran arms available in that bullpen that like could fill in these last few spots. Things. Yeah, yeah, like Corey Knebel with that curveball still. Dom Dominic Leone, your boy from San Fran. Ugh, Dominic Leone. Ugh, Clem another Clemson boy. I can't have too many Clemson guys hanging around here. But it's just there, there's a lot of creativity left on this reliever market, and I'm sure the way the Mets have gone about this offseason so far, they will work to be creative with the, how they fill out the rest of the bullpen, be it Major League, Spring, tra spring Training Invitations, Upper depth, upper depth of the minor leagues. There you go. You got that one out finally. Finally. Lights <laughs> I, are bright. Guys, we, we have a, a mailbag a little bit later for you guys, too. So if we didn't address any players or questions that you're thinking, like, why didn't they say that? It's coming. Don't worry. We're going to do mailbag in a second. But to switch, you know, tones here a little bit, international free agents, international prospects, the signees, they've been happening this week. I don't, I, I don't know if the deadline is officially over now or if you can still sign guys for a couple days. But the Mets had a pretty decent haul. Uh, international prospect is kind of like a lottery in a way. It's you, When you hit, it feels like you hit big. And when you miss, you miss big. That kind of is the way that it seems to be going, especially the last few years. A couple big names that the Mets pulled out, first one being Daverson Gutierrez, who was ranked number 20 on Baseball America. He's a catching prospect, six foot two, 205 pounds. Dude was born in 2005. 205 pounds right now? 205 pounds right now, six That's a foot unit. two. The dude can swing the bat. I mean, all the comparisons right now from what I've been reading and seeing have been Francisco Alvarez. I mean, he's from Venezuela. He's been working with Francisco Alvarez. If that is the comparison, I like what I'm hearing. I really like that. And I also believe he was the guy that the Mets gave the most money to, or at least in that top group of guys that got the most money. But they're saying aggressive hitter, controls his zone well, which is really nice to see. Obviously, he has to learn to hit for a little bit more power when you're 16, 17 years old. It's something that comes with time. And, I mean, lifting some weights, I'm sure, will help him as well. But the fact that he's been putting up exit velos over 100-plus miles an hour already is something that's really good. Yeah, that age, pick up exit velos of 100 miles an hour. I know he's in the top 20 Baseball America list, two of these international prospect pool, number 20, which good place to start. Yeah, no, 100%. The next guy, Christopher Larez. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Might not be. Six foot, 190 pounds. This dude was born January 10th, 2006. Awful. I was just turning 10 years old when this guy was born. Uh, the fun thing about Christopher this, Larez. This person was not alive when Pedro Martinez was a Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. How do you guys like yeah. feeling old, by the way? You guys always get on me. Well, what, know, what, are you, four, what are you, 43 now? I mean, it's starting to happen. Luckily, we have you around to keep us making feel a little bit younger. You I guys think make that. me feel young. How about that? We know. That's why you like to do this podcast so much. I, I, I'm <laughs> having a little bit of a... I don't, actually, I shouldn't say this. I'm not having an existential crisis, but I'm having a... I'm no longer in my mid-20s. 27 is now late 20s. Off yeah. the parents' insurance? That's, I've, I've that's been off the insurance for a couple years now, but... Yeah. Yeah, 27. Just celebrated a recent birthday. Yeah, th this weekend. Vito, Wait, Vito gave me a happy when birthday. Was your birthday. John didn't. John didn't even say anything. When was your birthday? J uh, January 15th. John. Was that, two days ago. Yeah, Sunday. two days ago. John didn't even say anything. I had no idea. <sighs> Classic. I, how did John. Vito know? Vito, how'd you know? Instagram. <laughs> Wait, Instagram. Twitter. Twitter does birthdays? Yeah. I think Mark just said I tweeted it, it out. I said, thanks to everybody saying happy birthday. Oh, you know what it was? That, that new that new that, for you nonsense. Yeah, that that's on true. Twitter. No, it is nonsense. I don't, I don't see the most. Well, I'm very sorry. I feel like a terrible <laughs> person in real time right now as we record this. Man, John. Happy Oof. birthday, dude. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Wow. You're welcome. 72,000 people saw that tweet. And you weren't <laughs> one of them. impressions, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's sad. 
Like, it's Elon's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Blame Elon. Blame the billionaire, yes. Elon did screw something up this week. I, it's been conversation between us recently, but because we all do a lot of social media stuff, they changed all the format of Twitter images. Yeah, that I don't like that. Memes are dead. Yeah, no, memes memes have to be reformatted Elon now. Elon came That's to bring tough. the memes, and he killed memes. Yeah. Uh, not great. They're going to fix it. They're going to fix it. They fixed the views thing and moved over to the right side of tweets now, so that's... Yeah. That's at least something forward. Going back to this prospect guy, Christopher Lorez, <laughs> who was born. Happy, happy birthday to the market. Yeah, happy birthday to me. Thank you. Uh, what's really exciting about him is that people think that he could be a five-tool player. They think right now, defensively, he is the most polished shortstop in the entire class, has real five-tool potential. I saw his swing. I was watching him hit from videos from Jacob Bresnick. Again, you should follow him on Twitter if you don't, if you're a Mets fan. Great for prospect stuff, Jacob Bresnick. This guy is a really clean, compact swing. You can't really project the power just yet because he is so young and he's still learning probably how to use his body and his size. But the fact that his hands looked as good as they did in the field in the clips that I saw, something something to build on. When you hear people say five-tool prospect, you always get a little excited. Hit tool is very good for players this age. I read some kind of article not that long ago. I think it was Baseball America. but just about being able to track mostly international free agent signings or players that come out of the high school because those guys get grouped a lot together as they come through yeah. systems. And it was a, it was it was a list that was basically if a player has above a thirty percent strikeout rate in the DSL or the FCL, like <laughs> that's kind of it. <laughs> like, your chance of reaching the major leagues are incredibly slim. At oh, that of course, point. It, so the, seeing content contact at that age is very important. Yeah, the talent's only going to get better. So yeah. to be able to be a you know well rounded player is something that's good. He's a guy that was twenty five on Baseball America, a lot lower on MLB Pipeline. So interesting. interesting. Depends who you, yeah, you value I, I, a little I, more. I like that. Yeah, our boy Matt Eddy. Come on, yeah. he would never steer us wrong. No miss. Anthony Baptiste would be the third big name guy that they got. He's ranked number thirty one on Baseball America. He's just simply one of the best athletes, maybe the best athlete in the entire class apparently watching him play center field is fascinating that's what a lot of scouts have been saying <laughs> he's lefty at the plate his swing reminds me of jerks and profile a lot very hunched over a little slappy he's gonna put the ball in play kind of thing but basically the athleticism and you worry about baseball after that which yeah. that's cool i like that i like the idea of a guy who i mean we've for a long time been and before brandon nimmo we're like we need a center fielder we need a center fielder we need a center fielder take a risk on the athletic guy like the Tampa bay rays always do great and nine years maybe yeah, in nine majors. years yeah, he was born in 2005 <laughs> it's it's crazy to talk about these guys yeah, you but you feel 27 imagine we're 36 and anthony baptiste <laughs> is making his debut no i don't want to <laughs> stop i don't want to think about that you'll almost be john's age <laughs> yeah we'll almost be like 44 how like john is a oh, uh, couple more quick names i'm just gonna throw at you not a whole lot behind them marcos castillo uh just cool because he's a son of former mets catcher alberto castillo uh wilmer lugo is a left-handed pitcher jacob bresnick had a write-up on on him basically he is the most notable international pitching prospect he's left-handed six feet tall born in 2006 he's touching mid 90s as a 16 year old and has a pretty decent curveball sounds good to me you're the pitching guy yeah i feel like if you have to scout pitchers this young and i know a lot of the major league scouts do this too when they find high school kids i feel like the only thing you really want is like frame extension and yeah. like the sh like the shoulder flexibility because past this like when your guy like this this young comes into your system you're going to teach him every single thing new. It's a project. Yeah, like you're going to re probably reteach him mechanics, reteach him a delivery, reteach him different grips and like styles of pitches. You might even change his arm slot and his delivery, but like you just want to make sure that they have like the stretch back. 100%. You know? Yeah, no, back. and he definitely rears back and, and fires. I've watched some clips of him too, some zip on that ball. Last guy, Julio Zayas. He's listed as the under the radar met from uh, Jacob Resnick. Not a lot of buzz. He's another catching prospect. Essentially just hits the ball extremely hard. He's a big boy, crushes baseballs. You like to see hard eggs if you lose. That's what we got on the international prospects. Again, not too much because, again, they're 15, 16, 17 years old. It's January baseball content. Yeah. this is ex You guys have been around this podcast for a while. You know that we get into the into the mud yeah. in, in the middle of January. Anybody new, 
There's a lot of chaos here. There's a lot of chaos here. There's a lot of chaos. So that's it for the international prospects. I think we want to do a mailbag finally because we have been teasing a mailbag for two months. Yeah, and a lot of questions about things that <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't answer. answer. So let's go ahead and get into this mailbag. James, I'm gonna let you pick the first question for this one. All right. Ooh, first question. Uh, do you want to go baseball or do you want to go fun? Let's no, let's let's go. I'm gonna let you pick. I'm gonna let you pick. This is all you guy. Okay. Uh, first question, I think this is something we touched on before, and something I think that's probably the broadest question because we got it from multiple people, is where we expect the Mets bench to go as this offseason winds up and get closer to the regular season. Yeah. Because right now, if you guys look on Fangraphs, Roster Resource, which is a great tool. I'm sure a lot of people use it. If not, check it out. Support Fangraphs, incredible site. The Mets listed bench right now would probably give a lot of fans agita. <laughs> it probably would make a lot of people a little uncomfortable and like not really feel that good about the way the roster lines up. And it starts with your backup catcher, Tomas Nito, who... Fan favorite. We're a, a massive Tomas Nito podcast. Tomas Nito. I'd go as far as to say we are the biggest Tomas Nito podcast that exists on the internet. Yeah, that's a fact. And we've interviewed him like he's the man. Other than then past there, you have your backup infielder, also a favorite of ours, Luis Guillorme. Of course. Our king. Well, the first podcast we ever did for this show was me shouting out how important Luis Guillorme <laughs> would be in March 2001. King Louis. Yes. And then past that, now is when it gets a little dicey. People might get uncomfortable. The first guy is Darren Ruff who um, didn't really ingratiate himself to Mets fans last year, but is a guy who I think probably still has more skill and potential than some people would want to believe based on how bad he played last year. It's really important to note that he's he's there to crush left-handed pitching, and after he pitched in Atlanta, he just wasn't the same, and then all of a sudden he got hurt with like the back thing. That probably had been lingering for a little bit. He had, I think he had two extra base hits in his first two games yeah. in the Atlanta series. Felt and really like good. None the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a rough one. Yeah, got on base in the playoff game. That he started base too. In the playoff so. game. He did. That was that was. Yeah, we were sitting with Vito for that one. That was a massive cheer. That was when we were. Who was the pitcher? Who's who was the pitcher? Morejon. Adrian Morejon. Oh man. More John. God, we got in his head. That was fun for a little little while. That was great. And then last member of the bench right now is Khalil Lee, who I don't think really anybody expects. To be a major league player this year, yeah. Just based on the way he's he, the way he had a very good 2021 in terms of minor league production and came up in the major leagues and didn't look incredibly overmatched. He wasn't like good, but it wasn't like awful. But then last year in AAA, he really took a step back to the point where we're pretty certain we're going to need to add an outfielder. Yeah, for sure. And of course, you still have Vientos and Beatty and Alvarez, guys yeah. that could be th- floating around well, too. That's where I was going to go with this whole conversation because right now those players aren't exactly listed as members of the roster. But I do think there is going to be a portion of the season where First of all, the Mets might opt for carrying a five-man bench because I do think that they have a lot of pitchers in this bullpen that are able to give length. Like 100%. Based on the way the roster is going to shake out right now, unless they go through six-man rotation, which is possible, we don't know, there's a legitimate chance that we have David Peterson, Eliezer Hernandez, and Tyler McGill all in the opening day bullpen. Yeah. Those are three pitchers with starters pedigree who can give tons of length at any given moment. That will give the Mets an opportunity at some point, depending on how they want to shuffle their options, to carry a fifth bench player. And I think that would be beneficial just because – we have a player in Daniel Vogelbach who can't really play the field, and we ha- we have a player in Francisco Alvarez who doesn't really have defensive home right now, but his development as a hitter is really important. And yep. two, I do think his upside as a power bat is something that not many other players on this active roster can give. But I do think that while the bench looks a little funky right now, you're going to see opportunities for the Mets carry five-man bench, get a fifth player in there, uh, on there, whether that be Alvarez or Beatty over a period of time. There's also a world where Brett Beatty could be someone who gets outfield reps as the mm-hmm. season goes on. Him and Mark Vientos both got time there in the upper minors last year, double yeah. A, triple A. And we heard mixed reviews on each. But it's it it's not like we're gonna have we're gonna want to get them developed like time in the lineup at some point. And neither of them are stout enough defensively at their posi- their position of choice being third base. Beatty is better than Vientos. People have said he's at least fine there. We saw last year it went up and down a little bit, but that I think is gonna be more of the direction this team goes in terms of bench depth than 
signing a lot more guys. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't think it's like, I, I understand why people would be concerned, like you said, but I think it's like weirdly deep. It's, it's, it's like it's weirdly kinda, deep because like we have these three young guys that could come up and just, just really make an impact. Yeah, it's also it's also the other side of that's like a double edged sword to where we thought it was weirdly deep last year. That yeah. it was just a, a bunch of guys who we wound up being disappointed that needed to upgrade once the season got going. For know? sure. Yeah. Another another reason that this bench is deep is you have a lot of guys that could play a lot of positions. You know, Jeff McNeil can play both the infield yeah. and the outfield. Yeah. And that opens up options. Luis Guillorme can play pretty much any infield spot other than first base. And I bet you if you ask him to do it, he could figure it out. We saw yeah. Mark Hanna play third base when Eduardo Escobar yeah, went down against did. the Phillies last year. <laughs> well, We've seen him that. play left. We've seen him play center. And I believe he could play first, first base yeah. as well. Yeah. So having that flexibility opens up the bench, opens up your options. And that's, I mean, all teams strive for that. And the Mets are really in a good spot. Jeff McNeil is so, so key when it yeah. comes to that. Especially just the fact that we do... Guillaume is the linchpin there because he is the only other guy in this roster who can play shortstop. Correct. Yeah, and not I don't I don't think Eduardo Escobar couldn't play shortstop, or like even like I don't even think Jeff McNeil couldn't play shortstop. Well, but yeah. in terms of a guy who's defensively plus there, those are the only two. And we have John's favorite player, Danny Mendick, who is going to be <laughs> sitting in AAA, who also can snuff at the shortstop <laughs> for a little while. Like he's that he's that last rung of defense before we get into like disaster area shortstop. Which, I mean. And if anyone's wondering why I love anything. Danny Mendick so much, it's because he went to UMass Lowell, which is a great <laughs> school. I'm all about the UMass school system. Danny Mendick. Also, what's uh, what's the team? The UMass Lowell uh, what? I forget. John loves big him. fan. But I can tell you, I can tell you, Jack Leathersitch also. <laughs> all right. Jack Leathersitch, yeah, yeah. the lefty, lefty reliever. Yeah, yeah. He went to UMass Lowell. I'm gonna look it up. It, this is yeah, look me. it up. I also forgot we also pulled in um, Jose Peraza as a non-roster invite. Oh. so he's another like yeah. little, little line of depth in between nice. short shortstop chaos. Yeah, he, he had some fun moments. The Very Riverhawks. fun moments. Yes. The, the Riverhawks. Riverhawks. How do we forget the Riverhawks? UMass Riverhawks. The Minutemen. That's, that's yeah, UMass. That's Mark UMass. Yeah, yeah, UMass. Okay. And also, I since we one. recorded last, I believe since we recorded last, we signed Tim LoCastro also. Yes. To non-roster invitation. He can play corner outfield. He could probably find a way to play center. He's just that fast. Oh, he's, he could definitely play center. Yeah, so yeah. He, he's going to be this year's you know pinch runner, get in, get some athleticism out there. And these Terrence are players score. who, yeah, it's going to be Terrence Gore. But he could, I think he could. Probably do a little bit more. He can hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he can, can definitely. Hit, he can hit yeah. a little bit more. He's yeah. not going to say he can hit a lot, but he can hit a little bit more. So Higher ceiling. Yeah. But there is probably, again, still room for a legitimate fourth outfielder, the guys we mentioned before, along with possibly Tyler Naquin, who we talked about, could possibly be someone who comes back. Just that, But that kind of class of players is going to be the one that finishes off this roster, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, maybe if, like, Lorenzo Kane wants to just sit in the bench <laughs> and play corner outfield. like, But that's the kind of guy yeah. he's going to be. Someone, David, someone, David, you, Robbie Grossman, David Peralta. You got to find someone who's I hunting love a ring. David Peralta. Yeah. You got to find but someone who's hunting again, a David, ring. David Peralta's almost. Nah, fuck me. Too, <laughs> what is it? What you <laughs> <said>? <laughs> I was saying, he's like almost a guy who's like too good for this. Because oh, yeah. He's, a, he's an everyday player. That's what I mean. And Duval yeah. probably is as well. Profar might be as well. Profar. Yeah, Profar is. Yeah. So well, it's, it's hard to convince a guy like that to be like, do you want to play? You want to play 90 games? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, ring hunters. It's. People yep. who are looking for a World Series ring. That's trying it. to get their last little piece on their uh, their mantle piece. place there, yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
to switch it up a little bit from being so dense about baseball, how about yeah. some things about <laughs> City Field here? Because we just we just went on. Yeah, we just yeah, we, we gave you a lot of, a lot of information about so many different topics. <laughs> Stuff. We're, <laughs> we're trying. We're trying. We love. That's what we love doing. That's what we love doing. Uh, a couple different people chimed in with stuff about City Field, about uh, favorite areas in City Field, along with, you know, uh, the Coens had everybody out to talk about what the project is around here and what could be going on. So, uh, I love Uncle Steve, or I love my Uncle Steve. Said, what would you guys like? That's Greg. The right? area. Yeah, it's Greg. Yeah. What would you like the well, area around City to look like? What sorts of things should that area include? Restaurants, bars, etc. I think you hit the nail on the head. Restaurants, bars, hotels, Re- casino. Restaurants, bars, etc. Yeah, <laughs> like literally anything that gives me somewhere to hang out before the game. I could get here three, four hours early and hang yeah. out before the game instead too. Like I'm in. And there's so many like newish stadiums that have opened up that have these great areas outside. As what? much as I hate to say it, Atlanta yeah, does cool. it so well. The battery is is amazing. I've never been down there, but just being at a going to college in Ohio, being going to Cincinnati and Cleveland a few times for games. There's just am- there's like each one of those has like a strip of bars that like you walk bar 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 stadium. Like they don't even give you a second to think. And those are like sad cities. Like those well, aren't even they're, like they're fine. They're like they're sad in terms of if you know the East Coast. Yeah. But like in terms of middle America, oh, they're yeah. metropolises. Cincinnati's cool. Cincinnati's probably Cool. Better than Cleveland. Yes, of in course. Way, but yeah, like, yeah. like if, you, if you're from you know, most of those states, like that's the that's a dream. <laughs> I guess. You wind, yeah. up, you, wind up in, <laughs> you wind up in Cincinnati or Cleveland. You're in the mountaintop. You climbed. You did it. <laughs> you, you've made it. You're there. We're talking to one of our friends the other day at, at your birthday. Yeah. This friend just moved to Cincinnati voluntarily. Live from here. Yeah, one of my best friends. Shout out Reed. Is sometimes listening to this podcast. He lives in Cincinnati right now. He just does has a job in an office. Drives there with no traffic. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> I had traffic coming from Astoria today. <laughs> I had tons of traffic coming from Brooklyn. But I just think just having like a couple bars, people can hang out outside, nice patios, a couple of televisions, some appetizers, a place to have yeah. nachos. Yeah. How about a place to maybe throw a parlay down before? Yeah. Game? Well, that's what we were saying too. Are we allowed to say that? Because I know that was like yeah, a thing going Yeah, it doesn't need to be around. about on any particular sport. I like it could to be drop about a layer. Champions League soccer. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I like to drop a layer too. Yeah. See what's going on in person. In person, get a get a ticket. That would be yeah. nice. Weekend games, you know, once September comes around, you mm. watch some football, yeah, college football on Saturday. Make it, make it a, make it an event coming to City Field. <laughs> I'm gonna try to mention the words college football once every episode now, just because of how much people dislike it. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm not, I'm not gonna talk about. It, just say the words college, college football. football. Yeah. And then here's another one that's about City Field. Most underrated part about City Field that comes from Pat Stats. Most underrated part. Of he about said City his Field. is the bullpen picnic area. To which I've never really no, spent time that, there. That's that area like downstairs yeah. when you walk in the gate. That's mm-hmm. actually kind of cool, sneaky spot. You know what's a great spot? Also what? sneaky. The spot that we hung out in a lot last year, all the way up in the top floor, that picnic area around home mm, plate. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a couple cool bars there. There's sneaky, amazing food options up there. Yeah. You can get the the burrito bowl. Yes. Over Nobody there. knows about it. I don't know it's if we want to tell people. Yeah, it's not a thing anymore. No, it's burrito bowl stinks. You don't want to get the burrito bowl, and it's not up there. But they have the steak sandwiches up there. They have a real the really good bar with good beers, seltzer selection. They have they a, have the Jim Beam bar as well. Yes, they do. It's just there's a really good. They have the Carvel back there. Yep. They have some pizza back there. Like it's a great spot to eat, drink, hang out, and it's just not really that used. And they have the Arancini Bros up there too, right next door. It's a good spot. Yeah. Mr. Softy, yeah. Is that, sorry, is that wrong. exclusive up there, or can you get that? Yeah? Okay. Nah, not, Mr. Softy. Not the C word. No. That must have been the old days. <laughs> I would right. think that was the old <laughs> that days. That was the old days. Wait, which? Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> uh, let me see. My, my most underrated spot, I really, I like where my parents have their, like, 20-game pack, which yeah, is, like, it's not spot. underrated because it's, like, it's a popular spot. It's the, fr- it's the yeah. lower level. <laughs> so maybe I won't say that one. I do like the left field spot where we hang out sometimes. That is kind of fun It's sometimes. not a great place like it's not my number one choice to sit and we've been incredibly unlucky sitting there so it's dead yeah. to me 
but it's nice of, and in chill. Terms game, in terms of game outcomes, and also yeah. once last time we sat up there, Mark got Mark got pooped on yeah, by a bird. A pigeon pooped That's on me. That's good luck, though. It was, well, well, we thought it was, but until they lost. Until they lost. Which game is this? Game well, three. Three. Yeah. Not yeah, lucky. Yeah, not that lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, unlucky. Quite but it, but it's like nice and it's nice and chill up there. There, and was, like, there was a whole clique of pigeons that were just pooping on everybody. Yeah, there were like four of them. Maybe it's like it was good raining luck, bad down. luck, good luck, bad luck, good luck, bad yeah, luck. Yeah, sure. And you it need, ended on a bad luck. Poop. You need an odd number. Yeah, an need, odd number. You're of, an odd number guy. No, I'm just oh. trying to say, usually if there's oh, okay. if there's one event that happens, yeah. that's the good luck. Yeah, undoes it. That's what I mean. Yeah, I was gonna say because like the remote needs to be on an even number with the volume. Even everything. <laughs> We're going to do a side episode next couple of months about all of John's OCD, OCD habits. Yeah. I'm sure there's many more than the one we just heard. Sneakily. And then we do have a, a special in-person mailbag from producer John as well. He's, he's got a question that he wants to ask us real quick. I yeah. certainly do. As, uh, as everyone knows, obviously, the New York football giants are moving on to the second round. Um, I myself am a New York Jets fan. James is a Jets fan. And Mark is a Washington Commanders fan. Go Commies. And um, I've been thinking about this. Like, this past Sunday, I was watching that game with a Giants fan who was a little obnoxious, but I let it slide. I used to hate the Giants. You know, back in the Rex Ryan days, I was telling you guys before we started recording. And I don't feel that way anymore towards them. I don't know if I've gotten softer in my old age or what it is. You know, maybe it was just that Giants plus 135 was, was real sweet on Sunday. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I kind, of feel my, I kind of find myself rooting for them. Now they play Philadelphia. <sighs> A, t- a city that we don't want to see win anything. No. Like that, that's across the board. I know Vito doesn't agree with that, but trust me, if you're a New Yorker, you do not want to see the fans of Philadelphia have fun with anything at all. And I was wondering where you guys sit, and, and, and fans at home, and, and hopefully we're, we're cool, or everyone's cool with us talking football here. Um, <laughs> it's NFL, it's New York. It's, it's going to be good. the last five minutes of the podcast. You yeah, guys can hang around. Shut it down now. If you, want, if you don't want to hear a nuanced discussion about, about the Jets and the Giants fandom. But... We were actually having this conversation on Sunday. We were hanging out for Mark's birthday. And I was kind of saying, like, I don't, for some reason, it's weird. It doesn't make any sense. It's not true. But I don't put the Eagles and the Phillies in the same, in the same area for me at all. Because I hate the Phillies so much. And yeah. I feel nothing for the Eagles because it's never been a rivalry with my team. Yeah. And I do objectively like a lot of players on the Eagles. Like, I think Jalen Hurts is super cool. Yeah. And I love his story. Like, the way he's developed over the last, like, seven years between college, getting benched for Tua, coming back, transferring, second-round pick, and rising. Like, it's just really cool to see you guys get that much better. And, like, a lot of that roster is held over from the last Super Bowl that beat Tom Brady, so I have a lot of respect for them there. But I don't I don't know. I, don't, I, I think I'm rooting for the Giants more than the fact that they're a local team, just based on the fact that how insane of a story it is that where they're going right now. The Giants are objectively have one of the five worst rosters in the entire NFL. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no, there's no way about that. The Giants basically have... You think they're that bad? I think they basically have two good players in the entire team. <laughs> Truthfully, like, and this, like that's I, not even a take. I don't even think that's a hot take. To I be don't fair, think so it's like Andrew Thomas is incredible. Dexter Lawrence is really good. Like Saquon's fine. But he's yeah. a running back. Daniel Jones has been incredible. But like besides that, you have to really squint to find anybody. Yeah, oh, Thibodeau, of course. Yeah. But yes. you have to like really squint to find any kind of useful talent on this team. Like if this team was coached by anybody else, and last year it was basically ninety percent of the same roster. Yeah. They, they were like objectively one of the worst teams in the entire league. So I think it's cool from just the underdog perspective more so than the local perspective. Yeah, my, my take on it is, because as a Commanders fan, they're both in my division. So this is like nightmare. This is hell. Uh, but, I mean, I think I would rather see the Giants than the Eagles because I really do loathe the city of Philadelphia. It's just absolutely the worst. I hate it so much. And I think now I'm starting to realize why. It's just every team I've ever rooted for, <laughs> yeah, the Eagles are direct. It's something Philadelphia is, direct rivalry competitor. So I really hate that city. Can't, I don't want to see them win. 
Although we did the Commanders smack them in um, Monday Night Football, so you know. There you go. I mean, that Com- was Commanders the only team from the NFC beast who isn't still alive. I know it's unfortunate. It's really tough, honestly. But I, I respect the Giants because, like you said, the team's not good and they're playing so well. And Brian Dable is a football guy. He's a badass. Yeah, he's, he's a badass. No, he's really he's, cool. He's I love sick. Brian Dable. Like, I mean, he's like he's objectively also like the, what, the fourth best coach in the NFL already. I'd, I'd love to find out that he's a Mets you, fan. If you think Belichick's dead, yeah, I know. I know he's, he's a Rangers, Rangers fan. fan. I'd love for him probably, to be a Mets they fan. They won every single playoff game that he showed up at, really? and, when, and when he was wearing his Ranger vest. He wasn't at Game 5 Because uh, if he's a Mets fan, yeah. he has an open invitation to come talk to the boys oh, and talk some yeah. baseball. Could, like I'd love to pick his brain. He's a football you guy. You he could yell at me? No, I'm saying he could, I don't care what team he likes. <laughs> can he yell at you? Sure, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I would, I'd like to be coached up by Brian Dable. But you can respect what the Giants are doing. You can respect that Daniel Jones looks competent, especially when he'd been so, so horrible. It's incredible. Daniel Jones is also like, I, I like the no, story of him developing like the way he has recently. He had to deal with two different coaches in his first three years, different schemes, different four, different mm-hmm. stuff. Dan Jones was a, like a player who gave, played a lot of football in college. And yeah. I mean, when you play a lot of football in college, it's a direct correlation to NFL success. We've learned that the hard way with the being Jets, Jets fans, yeah. but guys yes. who haven't played that much and not yes. being good. You're seeing with Brock Purdy right now. The guy started 40 games in college, which is literally impossible to do almost. <laughs> I mean, you have to start for four years and not leave early to go to the NFL and never get injured. But it's, That's it, a minute. It's a cool story what's going on with the Giants, and I would be way more into it if I didn't have, like, three annoying like friends and cousins yeah that's the thing is when you know the fan base and then they get a little cocky and i don't think giants fans are there quite yet because this has been such a cinderella run they were expected to win three games see i don't want them to win the super bowl no no well that's why also i I mean let's be real they're not going to i know i know i'm just saying like that would just beat the vikings who had a a negative point differential yeah (laughs) Yeah. and and i think the eagles doubled the viking sack total this year if the giants win the super bowl I'll be salty. I will not be happy. Yeah, I don't want to sure, Super Bowl for win. Sure. But like, they can the, beat the Eagles. Sure. They can beat the Eagles all day. Ooh. And the lights just went out. The lights out. are out. Well, <laughs> well, I hope we're still rolling. <laughs> How does this look? I think we are. Yeah, do we look good? All right, we're going to keep going. It's right. dark. I mean, this, that's that's like the Oscars. They're telling us to wrap it up. <laughs> that's wrap fair. It up. Wrap, wrap it, up. it up. Start playing the music. I, it's nice to have a New York sports story to talk about. Like, let's be real. It's January 15th or 17th, yeah. whatever. Middle of January. We're not talking Knicks. We're not talking Rangers. You just pulled your birthday out there. I, I know. Didn't, didn't even know. Didn't, didn't even know it was my birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, you know, it's nice for the city to, to rally around a team. And I don't know. I just feel like right now, more than in the past, maybe it's because the Jets and Giants were inept for so damn long that now it's just nice to see January football in the city for the first time since the Giants went on their boat ride in 2016, which was a long, long time ago. <laughs> long time. You know, maybe that's where I've softened on it, but I don't know. I just, I feel weird. I, I, I'm usually a hater of the other team in town. Now I'm not. Like, I, you know, I'm kind of liking the Nets a little bit. Yeah, that, that, that's going to get me started on a whole another uh, conversation yeah, like there. It's just, it, it's this, this was the first Giants playoff victory since the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, since 2011. Yes. Mario Manningham. It's insane. Mario yeah. Manningham, that's the one. All right, that's enough football talk. Yeah, and the lights are out. And the lights are out. So I think it's a perfect time for us to wrap us wrap up this episode of the Mets Up podcast. Episode 159, remember to follow us on all our social media at Mets Up, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The YouTube video will be on the New York Mets YouTube channel. Download, subscribe, follow our podcast on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is. The lights just changed. I don't know what's going on, but uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Mets Up Podcast. See ya. Peace Happy out. birthday, Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Sean, finally. <laughs> See you guys next time. Happy birthday, Mark. Get up. Get, get up. Get up.